In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how to create a healthy financial foundation for not only your investments, but your overall financial plan. Let's get started. Welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome back to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Again, my name is Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Uh, in today's episode, we want to go over how to create a good financial foundation for not only your investments, but also your financial plan. And I'll go over what we call the circle talk in our in our practice. And it's something that I've been doing for quite a while with my clients. And I've learned it actually back when I started uh, as an intern back at a financial company in college. And it's been something that's stuck with me and something that I have brought into my practice and continued to work with uh, with my clients. And so I want to share that with you today. When I first go over this with my clients, what we do is we draw three circles. So think of three circles being drawn right next to each other. And in the first bubble on the left is what I would label as bank and savings. In the middle bubble is your investments. And then on the right bubble, all the way to the right, is your insurance. So let's start a little bit with the investment portion. And I typically write you know, a little 90 or 95% above the bubble. And I just say, hey, most of the time, most of my clients that are coming to me or my prospects, they really want to talk about financial planning and what we can do about investments. But to be honest, I can create the best investment portfolio for you but it will come crashing down at some point if the foundation isn't there. So on the left side is the bank and savings. This is really nothing special that you've seen before. Maybe you've heard about it in a financial literacy uh, class, or maybe it was something that you heard over the Dave Ramsey. It's been preached a lot of times, but typically what I recommend is that you have three to six months of expenses put away in what's called an emergency fund. And a lot of times to get that number, you have to do a budget. I know you rolled your eyes, but you have to get that budget out, whether you're putting pen to paper and creating that budget or you go online and you're creating something through Excel or some other budgeting software. I've got plenty. If so, if you really want one, we've got some that are from Dave Ramsey, some that I've created. Uh, I like the one that I've created, but if you would like one of those, just send me a message and say you're interested in a sample budget. Um, so by using that budget, you can figure out what your expenses are for per month. Um, and then from that, you can figure out what you need for that emergency fund for that three to six months. Now, when you break down your expenses, don't include the extras. Uh, what would that be? That'd be like your shopping money, your Amazon Prime account, maybe some expensive subscriptions that you belong to. Because if you fell on hard times, you're likely going to be limiting or cutting that from your spending. Now you say, okay, what's three to six months? Why, why is there such a difference? And it really just comes down to your financial household um, and what people have for that specific job. Um, and so what I mean by that is, say you have one person that's the main breadwinner. Maybe you have one one of you is a part-time worker or stays at home, well, then you're mainly dependent on one income. And so I would say you should be leaning more towards that six months of emergency fund expenses. 
But if you guys are both got great jobs, stable jobs, and especially if they're in stable type of work, then you can maybe lean more towards the three months of expenses. But we're always encouraging you to work towards that three to six months. So once you have the three to six months of uh, emergency fund savings, you can move down the list to what we call special purchases. These are purchases that you're going to make within the next year or less. This could be anything from buying a house or putting the down payment on a house, a car, or even other big purchases. I know in the past podcast, I talked about buying a lawnmower or furnishing a house. There's a lot of big things that you're probably going to have to spend money on, especially over the course of your younger years. So we encourage you to put that into something safe like a savings account, just because you're going to need that money liquid and then also safe. Now, another question that I get quite often is, okay, I've got this money sitting in my savings account. Is that the best place for it? And the answer is that's fine. Uh, I'm never going to be mad that you say that. Could be some other good places to put it. Maybe your bank or credit union has what's called like a money market account. That is another liquid type savings account that's usually yielding a higher interest rate than what just an average savings account is going to give you. Uh, so that would be one of the first steps that I would make. And then the second would be maybe a CD. You have to be a little bit careful with these with the penalties to get out of the CD. And then what's good about the CD, though, above and beyond the money market is really the interest rate that you're going to get. And so let's say you have the six months of expenses that are built up. Maybe you have half or two months of expenses liquid and then the other three to four months uh, in a CD. And once it's already in there for six months, most likely, even if you cashed it out, you would still be net even. You wouldn't have earned any interest because usually the penalty on most CDs is just six months interest. So another thing that you can also do, especially once you're a little bit older, when when I say older, I mean typically 50 to 55, is you can open up um, like a fixed annuity that we would set up through one of our carriers. The main hurdle that we have to plan for is the surrender period. After it's been open for five to maybe eight years, then the fixed annuity is completely liquid. And really, it only takes a couple of days to get that money out. And so that's typically yielding a much higher rate of return than even a CD or a money market at a bank. But for most people, just a typical savings account will work just fine. Another thing that I recommend, and I'll get into this in the next episode, is how to set up your bank and savings accounts. And what I have done is I create just a savings account that is labeled as my bills account. That's going to have some of my emergency fund, or you can have it be your whole emergency fund. And out of that money is basically what your bills are being paid out of. And what's nice about that is even if Let's say I lost my job or something kind of, I fell on some hard times for a month or two. I already have the account set up and all the bills are being paid out of that one account. So I don't have to change anything when it comes to my financial situation. I don't have to go run to a special bank to go, you know, cash it out and move it to a different place. Uh, it's, it's right there, right where I need it. For some people though, uh, especially if you see that money in your account and you're just encouraged to spend it you know or you're encouraged by one of your spouse or friends to spend it then maybe that does make sense where you do have it at a different bank or credit union that makes it a little bit harder to to go get or you feel a little bit worse about yourself to go cash that thing out 
So that's something that I uh, can encourage some people to do. It just depends on your spending habits. And one extra thing I want to include is that if you don't have your three to six months of emergency fund expenses, let's start building it. Let's start trying to get to at least the $1,000 mark. And then once we get to that $1,000 mark, we just encourage you to work to go from like $1,000 to one month of expenses, then two, and then three, and then so on. Um, and, and most of the time, if you're budgeting right, you can usually accomplish this pretty quick. So once we've got the emergency fund and maybe that special purchases account set up, that's when we would move over to that right side of the column, or this would be my second part of the conversation, and that's insurance. No one loves talking about insurance. It's not fun. No one wants to make a claim. No one really wants to price out insurance, but it is super important. And we have to remember what insurance is for. It's when you're transferring risk to the insurance carrier because you can't financially carry that risk. So what are some big risks that we encourage you to use insurance for? The big ones that are ones that you legally have to have, which would be like your property and casualty insurance. You have to have homeowner's insurance on your house to have a mortgage. And then you also, as you say, Michigan, you need to have insurance on your car to be legally able to drive. So that one's pretty easy, but I still encourage all of my clients to meet with an actual insurance agent. They're going to go through your life and your specific situation to figure out what coverages are right for you and then also figure out what insurance carrier might be best for you. So when it gets into property and casualty, usually, like I said, you have your homeowners, your car insurance, and then you start moving down the list a little bit and you get into maybe a rental insurance policy. So if you are currently renting, I would encourage you to have that. And that's protecting all the contents inside your house or your apartment. And then the other one would be like an umbrella coverage. This is just an insurance coverage that goes over and above your normal liabilities for your homeowners and your car insurance. This is just really inexpensive. You know, I think, for example, I think mine's like 70 or $80 for a year, and it's like a million or $2 million worth of coverage. And it makes a lot of sense, especially if you have kids or dogs, or maybe you live on a farm, or you have a bit of property. Those are really important to have, especially in your overall insurance picture. Umbrella coverage can be a very easy add-on to your PNC coverage for the cost, and it can help your overall insurance picture. Next on the list is life insurance. If you have debt or someone that depends on your income, whether that's your spouse or your kids, or both of you are not retired yet, then you need life insurance. Also, if one of you does stay home, which, by the way, is one of the most noble jobs out there, then they need life insurance too. You might ask why, and that's just because you're going to have to most likely work less hours if your spouse is not there, and then you're also on top of that going to have to pay for daycare, which adds to your bottom line. So that's another reason why we want life insurance. Most people have this ability to get life insurance through their work, and to be honest, this is actually one of the cheapest and easiest ways to get insurance. There's no health screen most likely. The only issue with that it's usually limited to how much you can get for insurance. Sometimes it's one times your pay, maybe it's two times your pay, or it's up to a certain dollar figure, maybe like a quarter million. And then you have to go through some kind of a health screen or pay a little bit higher premium to be able to get that type of insurance. 
the big issue with having your insurance through your work is that if you do change jobs, which in this day and age, most people are changing their jobs every four to five years. So if your new job does not have the insurance coverage, then you could run into a bind where then you're uninsured. And so I always encourage my clients to buy outside of their workplace. And maybe what they can do is also supplement what they can get through their work. So let's say they need a million dollars worth of coverage based on their situation, but they can get a quarter million through their work. Well, then we would go outside of their workplace and get $750,000 worth of coverage. When I encourage people to get their insurance, especially as young adults, is to get term insurance. Term insurance is basically where you're just getting insurance coverage for a specific period of time. This could be anywhere from 10 years to 15, 20, 25, 30, and even up to 35 years for some carriers. This is super important, and usually what I recommend for most people is to get term insurance to when they're expected to retire. And if you don't know when you're expected to retire, try to shoot for age 65 if you can. At that point in time, if you, it sounds really, really morbid, but if you can afford to retire, then you can afford to die. Once you're older and you want life insurance, it's for typically different reasons. Maybe you want to cover your funeral or you want to pass some estate taxes or it just makes, us, makes sense for estate planning purposes. So don't fall into the trap of just purchasing permanent life insurance at a 25-year-old person. Uh, It doesn't make sense. You can get a term insurance policy that gives you way more coverage for a fraction of the price. And most of the time, especially if you're getting coverage for under a million dollars, you might not even have to go through a health screen, which is really, really nice. The next on the list for insurance would be your disability insurance. So this is An insurance that will come into play if something were to happen to you when it comes to a physical ailment or even mental. And typically this is a long-term disability. And so this is something where you're out of work for at least over a year. And at that point in time, the insurance company is coming in and basically paying you a paycheck. Uh, And there's some different things that go into that, um, which is like own occupation or any occupation. Any advisor or insurance agent can talk to you about that. Uh, I don't want to get too much into this podcast on that, but the big thing with disability is we're looking at your long-term disability needs. For your short-term, that's exactly what the three to six months of expenses is typically covering. It's basically just getting you along. You don't need to purchase some extra insurance if you already have that policy or you have that savings in place. For some people, it does make sense to maybe have a short-term disability policy, on records until you have that three to six months of expenses built out. But sometimes that can create a little bit of havoc in a budget to pay for that premium while you're trying to build that emergency fund. Disability is probably one of the most overlooked insurances. Uh, The reality is that one in five Americans live with a disability and then one in 10 live with a severe disability. And the biggest sobering fact is is that a 20 year old right now today will have a one in four chance of being disabled before reaching retirement. That doesn't mean that they're going to be permanently disabled, but that means that they will have some kind of a disability um, over the next, say, 30 to 40 years. Next on the list is your health insurance. You most likely are getting this through your work, especially as a young adult, and there's no problem with that. Um, I would just encourage you to talk to either myself, a financial advisor, 
maybe even another insurance agent that is life and health licensed so they can sell health insurance just to guide you on the right type of insurance for you because a lot of times you could have multiple options through your employer. Maybe that's an HMO plan, a PPO plan, maybe it's just some kind of an HSA drop where they just drop money into a some kind of savings account for you. And then for maybe a small employer, if you've got just one type that's really expensive, you can maybe even look at maybe something like a MediShare, which is like a Christian-based, I wouldn't call it insurance, but it's a coverage for you that's a little bit cheaper than the typical insurance plan, especially if you're going out on your own. And then there's also Medicaid in there too. That just is for the low-income people that are basically getting some kind of a benefit from the government. And for people who are pregnant or have young kids, you might be eligible for this at even lower rates than what you would think. So if you fall into that, be sure to look into that. Or if you need some help, be sure to give me a a shout. For most people on this podcast, you don't have to worry about long-term care or Medicare. We also deal with that in our office. So if that's something that you have a question about, please see our website and then also our contacts on, on who we would encourage you to see for that. Now, once I've talked about all three main pillars, but mainly the other two, which being the savings and insurance, they create a safety net for your investments. If we don't have the proper insurance coverage and you don't have the proper three to six months of an emergency fund savings set up, then you're just opening yourself up to basically having to come into that 401k or your IRA or some type of retirement account because you don't have the money to pay for whatever came up whether even if it was an emergency or not, we've seen it time and time again um, through the 401ks that we administer or even some of our individual clients. But we just encourage you to have these healthy foundations in place because you're more than likely not going to have to touch your investments. And that just is going to allow you to be that much more successful later on in, in your life. Now, with that brings up, you know, a question that we sometimes get to is, you know, I can take a loan from my retirement account. Does that make sense? And the answer is kind of. It's going to set you back when it comes to your overall financial picture in retirement. But if it's your only option, that might make sense. But just because you're acting as the bank does not make it a great deal either. Yes, you're not going out and you're hurting your credit or you're not having to get another loan from some bank, but at the same time, you're stealing that money from your future self. So that doesn't always mean it's the best place. And again, we're going to have another episode on that just alone, but I do want to encourage you to have these things in place so you don't have to be in that situation. Now, again, that's just the circle talk, and that's something that I just run across through you know my clients and future prospective clients. And I just do that because everybody wants to just jump right in and invest and start building wealth. But there's got to be some building blocks where you put in place before you get there. So if this is something that interests you or if you want some more information, please do not hesitate to reach out. My information is located within the, the bio of this podcast. And then you can also go to our website, which is Preferred Financial Group, pfg.com. And you can also reach out to me by email. If you need my email, it's at the end of my very first podcast. But I will say it's cbowserman 
at hirep.net. And you can always send me an email, whether it's what you want information on this or you want information on just building out a budget to figure out what your emergency fund should be. That is it for today's episode. If you would like some more information on a specific topic or you'd like me to talk about a specific topic, please do not hesitate to reach out. I would love to hear what you have to say and I would love to give you some meaningful content and some actionable ways that you can take financial hold of your life. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowserman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. Connor Bowserman is a licensed financial advisor in any of the securities and advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments. Products and services provided are not NCOA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services.